Good morning, High Life. Isn't it great to be alive? I'm excited uh, to be here with you this morning. Um, I trust you're all doing well. Um, you know, today we have uh, what I consider to be a very exciting topic that we're continuing, the theme, There is a River. I started this last week, and I will be concluding on this topic this week. Uh, let's get straight into the Word, uh, but before that, we'll have a word of prayer. Father, we're so thankful because we are in Christ, and therefore our lives are secure. We're thankful because we have access into your very presence by the blood of Jesus. We're welcome in your presence. Uh, We're welcome to the throne of grace, where we obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Holy Spirit, we look to you this morning. Lord, we know that the letter kills. It is the Spirit that gives life. So we look to the life of the Spirit this morning. Spirit of God, light our candles and enlighten our darkness. Give us revelation that our lives will be truly transformed into your image. Lord, wherever we are, wherever we are, we are connected to you and connected to one another. So let the life of God flow into our lives this morning. Let the revelation of God flow into our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, last week um, we, um, we looked at the importance of not allowing the world to squeeze us into its own mold and its own way of thinking. Um, we we e- emphasize the importance of defining reality for what it truly is. Um, reality is the physical realm and, more importantly, the spiritual realm. When we think about reality, we must think about both realms. Um, Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 said, We do not look at things that are seen. Colossians 3 says we're not distracted by the natural realm because there is, a, there is a more powerful realm, an eternal realm, which is the realm of the spirit. Paul, again in 2 Corinthians 4, um, 17 and 18, talks about the spiritual realm as the eternal realm where things are not changeable. Hallelujah. So when we think about reality, we, we understand now that the center of reality is the throne of God. The center of reality is not what CNN is saying because everything you can see, feel, touch, taste, and hear in the physical realm makes up just that 5% of, um, of observable matter that scientists tell us about. Um, most of reality is not seen. Hallelujah. And that's why the Bible says that you and I must feast on the realities of the spiritual realm. That is where we draw our direction from. That is where we draw our definition from. So we said increasing practical productive engagement. Increasing practical productive engagement with the spiritual realm must be the new normal for the Christian that will advance in this time. Because 2020 is the year of advancement. It's a year of progress. It's a year of elevation. But advancement that would only come through accurate sight. So therefore, as people of God who are advancing in this time, who are embracing the increase of God's government and peace in our lives, we recognize that to advance, we must see correctly. And in order to see correctly, there must be an increasing practical, productive engagement with the realm of God, the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. So now I'm going to start talking, given that I'm speaking to a people who are seen well, 
I'm going to start speaking about resources that are available to us. It is important that um, as revelation comes, we embrace revelation for what it really is. You know, revelation really is speaking about an uncovering of something that has always been there. Um, you are coming into uh, what may be a new awareness, but just because you are just becoming aware of something does not mean that it hasn't always existed. So, for instance, if you walk into a dark room where there are 10 or 15 people, but because it is pitch black, you can't see anyone, and you are walking around as though there is no one there, and then someone switches or flips up, flips a light switch, and suddenly people come into focus. That's what revelation is. It's showing you what has always been there that you may not be aware of. So now we're going to start looking at some of these resources that are available to us in the real spiritual realm, and we're going to talk about how to engage with them practically in order that we may receive benefit from them. Uh, I'm reminded of a good example of this. In the wilderness, as the Lord was leading his people um, from bondage to the promised land, for 40 years, they had an engagement with reality. Every morning, um, they, they were given or fed with manna in the wilderness. Manna was a substance they could engage with, but its source was spiritual. It didn't come from the earth, and that's why it's called manna. What is this? Uh, they didn't know what it was, but they were able to engage with it in a way that it nourished their lives. Hallelujah. So we're talking about resources that you can engage with as a spirit, as a, as a, as a business person. Resources of wisdom, resources of revelation that you can engage with as a mother, as a father, as a parent, as a minister, um, uh, in whatever sector you are. Resources that have their origin in the realm of the spirit, but are tangible and substantial and will give you wisdom, direction, um, and productivity in the earth. That's what we're talking about. Now, we're going to begin um, in the book of Genesis. And uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The book of beginnings. And again, I must emphasize that we, we, need, to be, we need to open our hearts and be, uh, let, let's be open uh, to revelation, hallelujah, let's be open to revelation. So in uh, Genesis 2 verse 7, this is a familiar verse of scripture, um, verse 7 says, and the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, or the nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from there, it parted and became four riverheads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedellium and onyx stones are there. 
The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third is Hidekel. It is the one that goes toward the, the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord took, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now fast forward to the fall, um, which is documented in Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at Genesis 3 verse 22. After the man and the woman had eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It says, then the Lord said, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And it was like there was a shock in the system. And the Lord in, in, in love uh, protected his man from, from eating of a tree that would banish him uh, to a permanent state of separation from God. Verse 23 says, therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove man, um, he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way, to guard the way, to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, you know, the word Eden is, um, is a Hebrew word for pleasure. Uh, the Lord created a garden of pleasure. Uh, and, and the Bible says in that garden, there was a river. There was a river. Um, and, and, um, and that river flowed, and that river had four heads. Uh, and from that outflow of the river, um, it gave fertility to the earth. And he talked about four, um, four rivers that came from that river in the Garden of Eden. And he talked about how the gold in Avila was good. Uh, they had bdellium and onyx. It, it, it also talked about the other um, aspects of the earth that was watered by this river. And then when man fell, uh, the Bible says that um, Adam and Eve were, um, were, were, were uh, banished, as it were, or, or, or um, uh, in order to prevent them from eating of the tree of life, they left the garden, or they were sent out of the garden, and, um, and cherubim. Now, cherubim, cherubim were, were um, stationed to guard the way, to guard the way to the tree of life. That's an important statement, because he was not trying to prevent them from eating of the tree of life. He was trying to guard the way so that they could eat of that tree when they were in the right state of being in union with God. Now, the question or the reason I read this verse or passage is to ask the question, where exactly is Eden? Why has Eden not been found? You, you know, when, um, when the Lord destroyed the earth with water and, um, and the, um, the, the ark, uh, Noah's ark, rested on Mount Ararat, you know, archaeologists have found 
the, the remains of the, of the ark. You know, we know the location. Um, you know, we, we, we uh, you know, looking at the, the Gospels and, and, and the Lord's um, uh, being on the earth and, and dying and resurrecting, we, we, we do pilgrimages to Israel. We know where all these different things happen. How come we haven't seen Eden? Why is Eden apparently hidden? Now, I want you to look at something here that we may not be aware of, and I wasn't aware of until very recently. If you turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 7, speaking to um, the, the church in Ephesus, uh, at the end of his message to each church, he, he speaks about, um, of course, he speaks about their state as a church. He, he, um, he, re, he, he talks about what they've done well, that's the Lord. Um, he talks about where they have failed and, and what they need to do and the consequences if they don't repent. But then he speaks about the overcomer, somebody um, who has overcome um, the, the, um, uh, the, the challenges of this life, who has overcome the, whatever the enemy throws at them and, and the benefits of the overcomer. And to the first church in, in Revelation 2 verse 7, the Lord makes the statement. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now remember, the tree of life is in Eden. Now, the Lord is locating where the tree of life is. He says the tree of life in Eden is in the paradise of God. The paradise of God. Now, we know paradise is not on the earth. It is not a physical place. Paradise is part of the spiritual realm. Now, hold that thought and look at the book of Ezekiel 28, um, verse 12. Now, speaking about the fall of Lucifer, um, you know, the Lord gives Ezekiel insight into the happenings around the time of the fall. Verse 12 of Ezekiel 28 says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, the garden of God, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were uh, you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stone. And, and he, he continues to talk about Lucifer before the fall. And then later on, he talks about the fall. And he talks about, um, you know, in verse, um, verse 19 says, All who knew you amongst the people are astonished at you. You have become a horror. You shall be no more forever. So we see that before Adam and Eve were created, there was already this place called Eden. 
And when God created Adam and Eve, he planted a garden in this place called Eden. So Eden is actually a region in the spiritual realm. It is a region in the spiritual realm in which God created a garden. A garden that was meant to be a model for Adam and Eve. A garden that was meant to be a pattern of the order and beauty that Adam and Eve were meant to replicate on the earth or reproduce in the earth in the exercise of their judicial and kingly authority that he had given them. He said that they should replenish the earth, subdue it. And they were meant to create the earth or reproduce or subdue the earth to follow the pattern and the order and the beauty of Eden. Eden is a spiritual region. It's a spiritual place. Hallelujah. Where the tree of life is. And the Bible says in Revelation that as overcomers, we will, we will eat of that tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, now, why am I talking about Eden? Well, I want you to remember that it says in Eden there is a river. And that river is flowing. And that river that is flowing in Eden actually waters the earth. It brings um, fruitfulness in the earth. There are treasures in that river that that river carries. That river um, is what is watering the, the region of Havila, whether it's gold. That river is what is watering that region, whether it's onyx and bdellium and precious things. That river carries fertility. And, it, and wherever that river goes, it produces life. It's a spiritual river, but it has physical impact. Hallelujah. It has physical impact. In fact, whenever people, by the Spirit of God, have their eyes opened and they see the throne of God, um, Revelation 4 verse 6 is an example of that. Every time people see the throne of God, they always mention that there is a river there. Hallelujah. There's a river there. There's a river flowing there. In Revelation 4 verse 6, it says, before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in the back. Now, we know that those four living creatures are what the Bible calls cherubim. There is a river. There are cherubim. It is in that place, that Eden, that garden of God that the tree of life is, and that river is flowing. That river is flowing. You know, the Lord gave Ezekiel again revelation about that river. You see, this is not a metaphorical statement. Genesis um, 2, speaking about the river, was not giving us imagery. You know, it's reality. We are expanding our framework of reality and, and embracing the truth of reality. This river is a real river. 
Just like you and I are real, it's a real river. Hallelujah. It's a real river. Now, in Ezekiel 47, uh, the Lord gave Ezekiel some insight. I'm going to read a few verses from there. We're going to read a few verses of Scripture today um, as we build this picture of the river of God. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. In Ezekiel 47, verse 1, it says, And in my vision, um, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Now, this vision that Ezekiel had actually started from chapter 40, where the Lord was showing him um, his temple or showing him the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, the temple of God in heaven. Uh, and from the, chapter 40 all the way through to chapter 47, we're seeing a detailed description of that temple where the throne of God is. So in verse 1, he says, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on the south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me through the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream um, um, for 1,750 feet. And there he led me across. Again, or led me across. The water was to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet, and he led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 uh, feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of the stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever, wherever, wherever. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of the river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea. For its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish. Life will flourish wherever this river flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea. All the way from Engedi to En Eglam, the shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will, will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. And there will always be fruit, always be fruit, always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month. For they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. Oh, what a great picture 
What a great truth that the Lord is showing us. That from the throne of God, there is a river that is flowing. And it says that wherever that river has expression, life will come again. The Dead Sea will become fresh. Dead fish will come alive. There will be fruitfulness. There will be productivity. If that river flows into a wilderness, it will become um, a fertile land. There is a river. There is a river. And that river is flowing. Hallelujah. It has its source from the very throne of God. But from that throne of God, in that spiritual dimension, it is flowing into all dimensions. When that river has expression in the physical direct dimension, it brings gold, it brings treasures of all kinds, it brings creativity, it brings health, it brings power. It is the vehicle that carries every resource from the very throne of God itself. You know, if you look at Psalm 46, you know, this river has been discovered by every generation that has walked with God. I say it again, this river has been discovered by every generation that has walked with God. Through prophetic insight, um, David said in Psalm 46, I'm going to read just five verses from Psalm 46, the Passion Translation. He says, God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You are a proven help. You are a proven help in time of trouble. More than enough and always available whenever I need you. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away. We will not fear, even when the earth shakes and quakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. For the raging roar of stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. God, he says, now this is the reason why we will not be shaken. This is the reason why any structure that crumbles around us will not phase us. This is why we can have joy in the midst of any calamity that surrounds us. This is why we can speak peace in the midst of the storm. This is why we can bring solutions in the midst of difficult problems confronted by the world. David said in verse 4, God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight to his people. His river flows right through the city of God Most High into his holy dwelling places. God is in the midst of his city, a secure, um, a secure and never shaken. At daybreak will help, um, his help will be seen with the appearing of the dawn. It says, God has a constantly flowing river. Hallelujah. And the sparkling streams will bring joy and delight to his people. And everywhere the city of the Most High is, everywhere his dwelling place is, that river is flowing. Hallelujah. Ezekiel says that river gives life. That river gives productivity. That river brings fruitfulness. Hallelujah. The river is always flowing. It has always been the source of provision for his people. It has always been, always been, always been, always been, always been the source of provision for his people. 
You know, Paul, by prophetic revelation again, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I'll read four verses from there. And I'm going to read again from the Passion Translation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 1 it says, My dear fellow believers, you need to understand that all of our Jewish ancestors who walked through a wilderness long ago were under the glory cloud and passed through the waters of the sea on both sides. They were all baptized into the cloud of, of glory, into the fellowship of Moses, and into the sea. They all ate the same heavenly manner, and they drank water. They drank water from the same spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ himself. He says, this is how it's always happened. He says, those that walked in the wilderness, there was a rock that followed them. There was a rock that followed them. Hallelujah. And he says that that rock was Christ himself. And they drank water from that rock. I want us to look very quickly at um, the two incidents where we see the rock that followed them. Now, the rock actually followed them. Wherever they were, they, they were followed by the rock. Hallelujah. Like I said, the river is always flowing. And, and like David said, wherever the people of God is, wherever the dwelling place of God is, the river is always flowing. The river that brings provision. The river that brings heavenly resource into the lives of men. The first incident we see is in Exodus 17. And um, we'll read a few verses from there, and uh, I'll read from verse 1. It says, all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and they camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and Moses uh, and said, why is it that you've brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with the people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I stand, I stand, I stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. And you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? Uh, and, you know, they, they came into a place of need. And, and, and they said, is the Lord among us or not? Now, the only prop, there's no problem with that statement, um, apart from the fact that it came from a place of, of rebellion rather than faith. Because the, 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 the truth of the statement is in the fact that the manifestation of the river in the midst of our deserts is proof 
of the presence of God among us. You see, God is among his people. And wherever the Lord is, there is a river flowing. Hallelujah. Wherever the Lord is, in whatever economic cycle, there is a river flowing. And from that river, we can drink and receive resources. And the proof of the presence of God in the midst of his people is not our theology. The proof of the presence of God is the fact that no matter what is happening in Egypt, there is a Goshen. And the people of God have a rock that follows them. And the Bible says that that rock is Christ. And Christ gives us access to the river in the very throne of God. Christ gives us access to the river in the very throne of God. Hallelujah. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to look at a, just a couple of verses um, um, that speaks about the second incident where they needed water and, um, and the rock produced water for them. This is in Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. It says, um, from verse 1, it says, Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin. The first month the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together again uh, against Moses and, and Aaron. And the people contended and spoke, saying, If only we had died with our, with our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought us to this assembly? And they said essentially the same thing again. And then in verse 8, the Lord said to Moses, when he cried out to God, the Lord said, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield water. Thus you shall bring water from them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice, or struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly. Oh, come and see abundantly with me. Abundantly. And the congregation and the animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he, and he was hallowed among them. Now, why was the Lord so angry with Moses? Why was the Lord most, uh, so angry with Moses? Because as a result of what Moses did there, he and Aaron did not go into the promised land. Well, the Lord was angry with Moses because he was using this as, um, as a lesson for us in the New Testament to see what was going on. You see, the rock was Christ, or the rock is Christ. Christ is our gateway. Christ is our gateway to access the abundance of the provision of God, which is carried by the river. And he showed us that Christ was going to be struck once at the cross, at the cross was when he took on the penalty of our sin. At the cross was where he would reconcile us to God. The Bible says that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. It was at the cross where um, Satan will bruise his heel and he will crush Satan's head. It was at the cross that he will grant humanity access 
once and for all to the river of life in the very presence of God. And that sacrifice would be enough. Access would be given and that access will be permanent. And from that point of access, we will no longer need to strike the rock. He will no longer need to be struck again. Because we, all we will need is to call on that rock, to access that rock by faith. Because the access has already been given. Hallelujah. The access has already been given. The access has already been given. So the rock will be struck once. But immediately after that, after any other time we will need provision. There will no longer be a sacrifice that's needed. All we will need to do is speak to the rock and we will access um, the, 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 the benefits of the river of life that is flowing from the very throne of God. And there will be an abundant provision for us because we'll be permanently, permanently connected to the throne. You know, recently um, I watched a movie called Harriet. And the movie Harriet is um, it's like, it's actually a, a biography of a great woman of God, um, Harriet Tubman, who lived um, in the, uh, or she, she died in the earliest, uh, in the early 20th century, in, in 1913. Now, Harriet uh, was uh, an American abolitionist, uh, um, you know, uh, and, um, she, and she was a political activist. She was born into slavery and escaped and subsequently made about... 13 missions to rescue approximately 70 enslaved people. So she got her freedom. She escaped from slavery, but she, she went back to, to deliver those who were in slavery. And she was a phenomenal woman of God. She was a, a righteous woman, um, and she was somebody who, um, who was led by the Spirit. And, um, and she depended heavily on the voice of God to deliver people. It's a, great, it's a great movie that I would recommend um, everyone to watch. But what struck me as I was watching the movie, just before she escaped um, um, to freedom for the first time, she went to a pastor, uh, or her father directed her to a pastor, who would give her directions on how to navigate to freedom. And, and he made a statement, which I believe that the, the Lord really highlighted in my heart as I was watching this movie. The parting words of the pastor to this young woman was this. He said, fear is your enemy. Have faith in God. Let the north star guide you. And if there are no stars, follow the river. He said, if there are no stars, follow the river. If you can't see the river, listen for it. He was saying that he, she should track her course by locating the river. He said, locate the river. Follow the river. It will lead you into freedom when there are no other patterns to, to navigate your course. Follow the river. If you can't see the river, listen for it. Hallelujah. That river would lead you to freedom. It will lead you to provision. It will connect you with the eternal realm. You know, I was reading a book by, um, by the prophet Rick Joyner. Rick, Rick Joyner, uh, the Lord gave him a, a series of prophetic revelations and visions. In the book, The Path. Uh, and the book started with this guy who was in the wilderness. 
and he was tired and he was starving and he was, you know, he was trying to do the best he could moving forward, but it was a hard life. And then at some point, he broke through some trees and came across a river. And he, he, he drank from the river and it invigorated him and nourished him. And, and all of a sudden, his senses were heightened and he, he, he was as refreshed as he had ever been and even more so. And there was a man that came and began to talk to him about his journey. And, and this man, um, who, who eventually was revealed um, to be one of the saints that had gone before, um, began to give him counsel. And one of the things he said to him was this. He said, you must also have the living water. You must never... You must never let it out of your sight again. You must drink from it as soon as you begin to thirst. Even drink when you are not thirsty, when you can. It will keep you alive. Staying close to it will help keep you on the path. Staying close to it will help keep you on the path. I think one of the things that um, the, this elder made known to Rick was that in our journey of life, God has not um, ordained for us to have a hard life. Yes, um, we will go through tribulations and trials. Jesus said in this, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. You see, we will come against challenges, but we must come against these challenges with the resources of heaven. Now, apparently, this guy in the wilderness, it didn't have to be so hard. The river was there all along. He didn't realize that there was a river. So his experience of the path to the mountain, his experience of the journey was unnecessarily hard. And the counsel he received was never, never wander away from the river. The ri track the river, follow the river. There is a river that flows in the city of God. Hallelujah. There is a river. There is a river. Remember again, Psalm 46 verse 4 says, God, is, God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight. Joy and delight to his people. His river flows right through the city of the Most High into his holy dwelling places. It brings joy and delight to his people. Wherever you are in life, you can always have joy and delight as you access the flowing river of God. Now let's bring this into the New Testament. Let's bring this into the New Testament. You know, um, in John chapter 4, is where we see, at least one of the first introductions to the presence of this river and our access to it. Now remember the river is Christ. The, the river, we get access to the river through Christ. Even in the Old Testament, their access to the river was through Christ. Hallelujah. Their access, even in the Old Testament, was through Christ. Yeah? Because the rock that followed them was Christ. And he gave them access to the river. It was from Christ that water flowed. Amen. Now, now the, 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 the pre-incarnate Christ that was revealed in the Old Testament put on flesh and came and was revealed to us in the New Testament. And he was speaking to this woman at the well. And of course we know the story. She came to draw water. And he said, give me water to drink. 
And she says to this woman, the woman says to him, who are you? You are a, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. I mean, how come you're asking me for water? And the Lord said, if you know who it is that, um, that is asking you to give, give him water, you will ask him for water because this water will cause you to thirst again. But there's water I can give you um, that, would, that will cause you to never thirst. Um, in verse 13, he says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I will give, I will give, will never thirst again. I have access to a river, but the water that I shall give to him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. And the woman said, uh, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst again, nor come here to draw. So Jesus was introducing us to the fact that in him is the river located. And when he comes into us, he brings our access to the river. Because she says that when I give you this water, it will become in you a fountain. I'm going to connect you to this fountain. I'm going to connect you to this river that will constantly flow through you. In John chapter 7, we see him again talk about this river. Um, verse 37 of John 7, he says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now remember, um, Ezekiel 47 speaks about this river of water that is flowing from the throne, that's flowing from the throne, and it, it makes everything come alive. Jesus is saying here, if you believe on me, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39 says, this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him will receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Spirit was not yet given. So he was saying that this river that is flowing from the throne of God, this river that, is, that he's given us access to, this river that is an unending supply of the provision of God, this river is ordained to flow in us and then through us um, into all aspects of life. And wherever this river flows, it will bring life, it will bring productivity, it will bring creativity. It will be a constantly flowing river. He says this river is the Holy Spirit. This river is the Holy Spirit. This river is the Holy Spirit. You know, incidentally, the feast that was being celebrated in John 7, I believe was the feast of first fruits, where the Jews on receipt of the, the first, you know, the, 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 the first um, harvest, this is, um, you know, from the, from the spring, uh, from, the, um, from the spring rain, they, they, they will bring the first fruits of their harvest to Jerusalem. And, and it was a time where they were celebrating God for the first fruits, for the, for the first indications of harvest. But they needed latter rain, they needed more water, they needed more rain to guarantee that the, 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 um, the, 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 the final harvest, which was the, the main harvest, would be productive. So it was a time of celebration, but really it was a time of faith. 
It was a time of asking God for, for, for the latter rain. Because if they didn't have the latter rain, their harvest would be lost. And Jesus stood as they were asking God and saying, God, give us more rain. Give us more water. Um, you know, thank you for what you've done, but we need more. And Jesus stood on that day and he said, listen, I can give you access to the river, to the river of God. Such that you will no longer need to seek and, and, and stretch and beg and hope. I, I, I will give you access to that river. And, and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Will flow rivers of living water. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19, the Lord said to, through um, Paul, He said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and you are not your own. Your body is become this temple. And it's from that temple that this river will flow. We have access to the river because we have the temple in us. We are the temple now. Hallelujah. We have the temple now. In, 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 to the Corinthians again in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Passion Translation speaking about the Holy Spirit. It says God now unveils those profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, He has revealed to us His innermost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets. His thoughts are secrets and are only fully understood by His Spirit, the Spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of the world system, but the spirit of God. So that we can come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. So we can come to understand and experience. Remember those in the Old Testament said, is God in our midst or not? If God is in our midst, where is the river? Hallelujah. And, and, and you know, the reality is God is in our midst. God is in our midst and there is a river and that river is the Holy Spirit and he is in us. And through the river of the Holy Spirit, we will come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. Because this spirit continues to search all things. Every secret thing of God, he continues to search and makes that provision available to the people of God. Hallelujah. Just like in the Old Testament, just like in Genesis, the river flowed and brought gold and watered the earth. The river is flowing through the temple of God. That is you and I. The river is in us. He's the Holy Spirit. And through him is bringing to us the experience of all the reality of God. All the reality of God. There is a river. You know, in Proverbs 21 verse 1, the Berean Bible translation puts it this way. It says, the king's heart. The king's heart is a waterway in the hand of the Lord. He directs it where he pleases. The heart of the king. You and I are priests and kings unto the Most High God. We're a kingdom of priests. 1 Corinthians 2.9 tells us. It says the king's heart, your heart and my heart, is a waterway. Oh, I love that. It's a waterway. It is a pathway for the flow of the river of God. 
It is a pathway for the flow of the river. That river that's going to bring every provision. It's going to reveal every secret. It's going to give you access to every wisdom you need. And it's from that waterway and the outflow of that river that the, 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 the world and the systems of the world will be watered. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and his Christ. It is through the flow of that river, through the courses of the hearts of kings, that the mountain of the Lord's house will be established on top of the mountains and the hills. It is through the causeway of the outflow of that river that, we, that light will shine in the darkness. The light of God is not going to shine from heaven. The light of God is going to shine through the hearts of his people. Hallelujah. The heart of the king is a waterway in the hand of God. It's a waterway. The heart of the king, the heart of the king is a waterway in, in the hand of the Lord. It's a waterway. You know, in Proverbs 25, the Bible says that counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. He's saying that your heart is a waterway. There is water. There is access to the river. And that access is in your heart. Because you are in Christ. Christ has been struck once. And, 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 and that river of living water is in you. Bubbling up. Hallelujah. That river of living water is, is, is meant to flow as rivers from you to touch everything around you and give it life. Your heart is a waterway for that river of God. The Bible says counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. You know, I live in Nigeria and, um, you know, I've lived in different places um, in, in this city of Lagos. And, um, well, for the most part, you know, every location where I've lived, we've had to have some kind of well or borehole for the most part. And um, depending on where you live, I mean, it's guaranteed that there is water, but depending on where you live, you may have to dig deeper than other places, depending on how, what the rock formation is like. So the, the issue is not that there isn't water. The issue is how deep do you have to dig to get to the water? Now the Bible says that there is counsel, there's a river flowing, but it's like deep water. Now, it takes a man of understanding to draw it out. You know, in Mark chapter 4, the Bible speaks about the different kinds of, of, of hearts. And he speaks about the pathway. He speaks about the, um, the, the, the seed that's sown among, uh, uh, on, on rocky ground. He speaks about the seed that's sown among thorns. And, and these are all talking about conditions of the heart. And then he talks about the seed that is sown in good ground. And it's in that, it's, it's the seed that's sown in good ground that is able to be productive because that seed is able to access the river. That seed is able to access the river. The condition of your heart determines 
um, what kind of preparation you need to do to access the river. That river is there. But if there are rocks in that heart, if there are things that you have planted in that heart that, that, that act as a stumbling block, unforgiveness, bitterness, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the loss of other things, um, having ascendance in your priorities, that then it, is, it will be more difficult for you to access the river. Hallelujah. It says it's like deep water. It's like deep water. It's like deep water. But the river is there. The heart of the king is a waterway for God. Hallelujah. It's a waterway for God. It's a waterway for God. So there is a preparatory work that we must do to access this river of life. He is the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. He's a, he's a constantly flowing stream and a river that is bringing everything that God has to us. Hallelujah. Everything that God has to us. We don't have to go to heaven because heaven has come into us. Our bodies are the temple of God. Our heart is the access into the very throne of God where the river of God is flowing. So Mark 4 tells us the things we need to do. But, but I, I want to conclude this session by, by speaking again about the Holy Spirit and some tools to access the river. Some tools to access the river. You know, a few weeks ago, um, you know, we, we, um, um, Ikechi shared um, in two sessions and he was talking about the things we need to do to, to practically prepare our hearts and, and that we must do. But, but I want to speak about a couple of things uh, that, that we can do also in addition to that. Uh, to, to penetrate this river, yeah? Be, be, because that river has always been the source of provision for all his people. Thank God for the connection, the access we have been given. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, I'll just read two verses from there. Uh, verses 2 and 13. Verses 2 and 13. It says, when somebody speaks in tongues, no one understands the word he says because he's not speaking to people. But to God, he's speaking intimate mysteries in the spirit. Intimate mysteries in the spirit. Okay, he's, uh, the Amplified says he's, he's speaking secret truths and hidden things to God. He's accessing a dimension of life that has its root and its understanding in the spirit. And then verse 13 says, so then, this is the passion, Translation, if you speak in a tongue, pray for interpretation to be able to unfold the meaning of what you are saying. To be able to unfold the meaning of what you are saying. Now, if in speaking in tongues, the Spirit of God is praying for you to God, and the Spirit of God knows the heart of God. He knows everything that God knows. So he's praying accurately. If you are able to get an interpretation of what he's saying, will you not access a higher dimension of wisdom than a wisdom that is from this world? If you are able to interpret what you are saying, you are going to be able to access practical wisdom that the river is bringing through you and to you. Hallelujah. 
I believe that praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, uh, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit is a way of tickling your spiritual ears. It is a way of drilling down through the layers of our heart to penetrate the river of life that is flowing. Hallelujah. You, you know, I said that um, 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 consistent, uh, tangible engagement with the spiritual realm is what is going to be required in this time to advance. We, we need access to spiritual wisdom. We need access to spiritual resources. We need access to a fruitfulness that only the river can give. But access to the river, uh, I believe speaking in tongues is one of those accesses to the river. It is like a bucket that you are lowering down into this well of water. Hallelujah. That you are lowering down into this well of, of water. You know, people who have done great things for God, uh, one thing I find common about their practices, um, Paul Young Cho, uh, Brother Hagen, uh, all made this statement. When people ask them the secret of their success, they say, I pray long in the Holy Spirit. I pray long in the Holy Spirit. I pray long in the Holy Spirit. And then I do what I see. I do what he says. I have extended times of praying in the Holy Spirit. These people have discovered an important bucket that you can lower uh, from the realm of the conscious into the realm of the spirit to access a river. Brother Hagin said that it was through praying in tongues and interpreting his tongues that he began, he, he began to hear himself prophesying about the two children he would have. And the first one um, and the second one, um, I don't remember the genders now, whether the first one would be a girl, the second one would be a boy. It was through praying in the spirit that he discovered the secrets of God. Hallelujah. Paul Yonggi Cho talked about the strategies for building what at the time was the largest church. He said he came through praying in the Holy Spirit. Strategies were unfolded to him. You say, Pastor, how do I receive this unfolding? How do I receive this, um, this translation of what I am saying in the Spirit? Well, begin by praying long in the Spirit. And the Spirit of God will tutor you into a, 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 a dimension of spiritual communication where you begin to understand what you are saying. Start by praying long in the Spirit and listening to the Holy Spirit. Press into Him and say, Holy Spirit, give me an interpretation. It will come as a dream. It will come as a revelation. It will come as a prophecy, but it will come because you are ordained to be connected to the river of life. They said, if God is amongst us, if God is amongst us, where is He? Hallelujah. God is among us and He has put within us a river that we must access you know in conclusion Isaiah 55 the prophet prophesied in verse 1 he said oh everyone who thirsts come to the waters you who have no money come buy and eat yes come buy wine and milk without money and without price why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. He said, are you thirsty? Oh, I, I'm asking you today, are you thirsty? How thirsty are you? Then come to the river. Notice, he says, you need to buy. He says, come buy and eat. But you're not spending money. But there's an investment you need to make. Hallelujah. 
He says a man of understanding will draw it out. Because counsel is like deep water. You have to decide that irrespective of the number of layers you have put in your heart, you are going to begin to uproot those layers. You are going to begin to forgive. You are going to begin to seek first the kingdom. You are going to begin to invest in the things of the spirit. You are going to begin to worship. You are going to begin to meditate in the world. You are going to need to start making that investment in the things of the spirit. He said, are you thirsty? Or do you want to keep walking around this mountain and keep going around in circles and keep going around in circles? There is a river. Are you going to be like that person who just keeps going in the wilderness and having a hard life? Or are you going to locate yourself by the river? Are you going to be like this woman who finds freedom by tracking the course of the river? Or are you going to keep just, you know, stumbling around in the wilderness hoping that all things will be well? He said, are you thirsty? What are you thirsty for? How much of this do you want? You know, the water level does not actually rise. The water level does not actually rise. It's not like the Jordan that overflows its banks in the winter. The water level rises in us as we give room. It's not that the water level is rising. It's rising in us as we give him room. As we remove those impediments, it rises in us. It's not that God now, you know, decides that, okay, this is the time I'm going to bring the water level higher. No, we are the one that, that allows the water to have free course in our lives and it rises within us. We are the ones that choose to go deeper in the river. Are we going to allow it to be ankle deep? or knee deep, or waist deep, or are we going to flow deeper into the river such that it's carrying us, hallelujah. How much of this do you want? You can have as much as you truly desire because there's a river and that river is flowing from the throne of God and God has repositioned his throne to be on the inside of you. You don't have to go far, hallelujah. You don't have to go far. It's not about whether you are worth you are, you, are, you know, God gives you access or not. No, the access has already been given because the door is Christ. He has already been struck. He no longer needs to be struck anymore. It is now for you to lower your bucket into the abundance of God that brings joy and brings delight to the people of God. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, the apostle Paul says, don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The Passion Translation says, don't be drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and your hearts will overflow. Your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord Jehovah. Keep speaking to each other with words of scripture, singing, the, singing with psalms, uh, singing the psalms with praises and spontaneous songs given by the Spirit. Hallelujah. It says, allow the water level to rise within you. Give room to the Holy Spirit. And when you do, there will be an overflow. When you do, there will be an overflow, an overflow, an overflow. Don't be satisfied with ankle deep. Don't be satisfied with knee deep. Don't be satisfied with waist deep. No, no, no. This river, uh, when it went to have it, it brought gold and onyx and bedellium. It, it watered everywhere. It gave provision. It gave delight and joy. Hallelujah. It can bring delight and joy into your family. It can bring delight and joy into your business. It can bring delight and joy into your, 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 your body. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. He says, be, 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 be filled, be filled, be filled. Let your intoxication come from the Spirit. Be intoxicated by the Holy Spirit. You see, the army of God that's going to advance in this time is going to be an intoxicated army. It's going to be an intoxicated army. Hallelujah. It's going to receive downloads from above. It's going to receive heavenly patterns because they are pressed into the river. Hallelujah. They're not just having glasses of, of wine from the Spirit. No, they are bathing in it. They are drinking in it. They are intoxicated by it. It's coming from every pore. When somebody is intoxicated, they say that they are under the influence. Hallelujah. They are under the influence. They are directed. They are not directing. They are directed. Hallelujah. Because they have ingested so much of this substance that it is now directing them. Hallelujah. A, an army is rising that are, are not trying to direct the spirit, but receive their direction from him because they are intoxicated by him. Hallelujah. The Bible says in, 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 in Romans 8.14 that the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Moved by him. Moved by him. Moved by him. Like he used the men of old that wrote the scriptures infallibly and carried them along. There will be a dimension of person in this day and in this time and currently live on the earth who have raised their sails into the spirit and allow their sails to catch the wind of God and allowing God to direct their lives and move them into the new. And it is from these people that there will be an outflowing of the river of God into the systems of men, into the economies of men, into all the mountains that govern human life. And it will bring direction and bring solutions and clarity. You know, Amos chapter 5 verse 24 says, But let justice run down like, a like water. Let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. You see, Amos 5.24 is evidence of a place and a people through whom the river is flowing. When the river flows through us, the result of the outflowing of the river is that justice will run down like water. You know, across the earth, there's a scream for justice. Well, how can there be justice when there are no righteous judges? God is raising judges in this time. These are a people who have been intoxicated by the Spirit that He can position in places of authority and they will judge the world in righteousness. The justice of God is going to flow down like water. The righteousness of God is going to be like a mighty stream. But this justice and this righteousness is going to flow through the hearts of people that have allowed their hearts to be causeways or waterways for the river of God. So I send out an invitation today by the Holy Spirit. There is a river. Stay close to the river. Come close to the river. Make that decision that I'm going to be part of this intoxicated army. Because there's a river that is flowing from the very throne of Almighty God. There's a river that is flowing. A constantly flowing river. With sparkling streams, bringing joy and delight to his people. And that river flows through the city of God into his holy dwelling places. God is in the midst of his city. He's secure, he's secure and never shaken. At daybreak, his hell will be seen with the appearing of the dawn. We're in a new day.
God's help is going to be seen, but it's going to be seen through you and I. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let us lift up our hands and just worship the Lord. Let's lift up our hands and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, I'm, remember, I'm reminded of a song that we used to sing when I was, you know, years ago when I was in, in secondary school and uh, there was this chorus we used to sing and that chorus carried with it such truth. It said, there's a river of life flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors and sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out of me. Oh, there's a river of life flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors and sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well. Flowing in my soul. Spring up, oh well. And make me whole. Spring up, oh well. And give to me that life abundantly. Spring up, oh well. Spring up, oh well. Flowing in my soul, spring up, oh well, and make me whole, spring up, oh well, and give to me that life abundantly. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you because we are your people. We thank you because we are your temple. We thank you because in us is that river. Lord, as we meditate in your word, as we meditate in your word and meditate on true reality, carry us, Holy Spirit, wear us like a cloak and lead us into the depth of the heart of the Father. Let us be that intoxicated army that will rise and have a river watering our lives, nourishing us, but through us, rivers of living water will flow, rivers of righteousness and justice, and bring joy to the people of the world that you went to the cross to die for. Father, I bless your people this morning. I thank you, O oh God, because you lead us and guide us into the depth of our inheritance in Christ. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for insight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've come to the end of our broadcast today. Um, thank you for tuning in um, um, into the broadcast um, like I said in my prayer, the person that is blessed is not just the person that hears the word. Let the word find its lodging place in your heart. Feast on it, be intoxicated by it, and rise like an edifice, which God has ordained for you to be in this time. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. See you next Sunday.